it's a societal thing, you know, I mean, I think that we are raised from a young age that that good girls stay small, that good girls go along. Can't you just go along with things? Why do you have to don't be difficult? Don't be bossy. Don't be bitchy. Don't be loud. Yeah, don't be loud. Put your legs together. Cross your legs, you know, dress this way. So we learn from our parents. It's reinforced at school. It's reinforced by media. Most of us, our sex education has come from Hollywood and porn. Here we are, we get all these teachings maybe from our parents. And so they teach us all these values, but then we learn about sex from somebody else who has different values than us. How does that jive? How does that even match up? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Women with a masculine energy, which is not harsh and aggressive. It's just a masculine energy of saying, hey, you know, I deserve to be treated as an equal. I'm going to speak up for myself. We are oftentimes told that that's not okay. Hi, and welcome to the Endo Babe podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Bree. I'm an ultrasound tech turned endometriosis coach, positivity and self-love advocate, a seven on the Enneagram, and I am a proud dog mom. And I'm on a mission to help you live more positively with endometriosis and be happy in your body. On the Endo Babe podcast, we're going to dive deep into all things endometriosis, mindset, self-love, health, and so much more. This is a badass podcast for badass endo babes. And I want you to leave this podcast feeling inspired and empowered on your own health journey with more confidence and the belief that you too can have more good days than bad. Are you with me, babes? See you in the podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Endo Babe podcast. I'm so excited today. We have Liz Dubay, who is a certified sex therapist, a coach, a licensed marriage and family therapist. And she really works with people on really understanding themselves sexually and helping them feel sexually empowered. I'm very excited to have her on today. We're going to chat about all things sex, endometriosis, and just see where the conversation takes us. Welcome, Liz. Hello. I'm excited to talk to your audience and and to share whatever I can share so that they can experience the erotic selves that they deserve to experience. Yes, I'm very excited to dive in. So let's kind of, I always like to start with like a little background about who you are and how you got doing what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Let's see. So this is my second career. So uh, I, I finally figured out what I wanted to be when I grew up and <laughs> that was a little later in life. Yeah. And I've always been fascinated by the topic of sex. It's fun. It's a provocative topic. So it's kind of, you know, it's like engages people, but I grew up with a mom who was really progressive. So she was really open. And I realized by growing up in that sex positive environment, it, you get more accurate information and you're more comfortable talking about it and asking questions. And through that and seeing how other people weren't, I started to realize like that it might be a place for me. It might be something special that I have that other people don't. And, and I studied psychology and that was just easy. It's like that. Oh, I, I studied other things. And then I thought, 
okay, these easy A's are just way too, I should just get a degree in psychology. And so I, I entered a different field and did that for 10 years. And I really enjoyed coaching people. And I, I worked in a work more corporate environment for people. And through that, I realized, you know what, I could actually be a sex therapist and I could do this successfully. And, um, and I am a, a survivor of sexual trauma. So that I think combined with growing up in a really sex positive, healthy ways of looking at sex, that really gave me kind of a view of sexuality that was just drew me in, you know, it's just kind of felt like this is my calling. And, uh, and so it's a great way to be able to help people given that I'm so comfortable talking about it and that I can make other people comfortable and, uh, and it's fun. So I think that we all get to have careers that are mostly fun. It's important to have careers that are fun. <laughs> yes. Um, do you think growing up in a sex positive environment helped you cope with what you went through? Um, yes. And I think it was also, it was just the way that my mom handled it. You know, mm. it, like once I finally, once it finally came out I, that my mom handled it in a, in a wonderful way. And Unfortunately, a lot of survivors, they tell and then their parents don't want to talk about it. They, this is something that they don't know. And so then they, you know, they get silent and that increases the shame. Uh, some people, they, their parents don't believe them. Some people say, uh, you know, and so many of, of child sexual trauma survivors it's a family member, somebody close around. And then, and then when you're stuck, to still have to see that family member yeah. or that because it's like, Oh, we want to protect, we want everybody else to feel comfortable. And what message does that give you is that, Oh, I'm, I'm holding on to this shame. I'm bad. Not that this bad thing happened to me and we're going to handle it. Right. And so I think all of those messages of the way that things get handled is really the foundation for the healing and so I think that was a, I saw the difference in me growing up, seeing other friends that I had in high school where they struggled with healthy sexuality. Whereas for me, it was like, oh, this is a good, this is something that I get to enjoy and I create a safety for myself. I can set boundaries and I had a voice. Whereas I think that my friends who hadn't gotten the healing that they needed were delayed in being able to have the voice or to find healthy ways to approach sex and as a woman. For sure. And that is, you're right. Like something that not a lot of people experience. And I feel like most of us grow up in households where sexuality isn't, it's like a woo woo taboo thing. Like you don't ever talk about it. Mm -hmm. If like <laughs> periods are hush, hush, sex is hush, hush. Mm -hmm. And so you're trying to like figure it out as an awkward teenager by yourself. And when you don't have that, like stable stabilization or stability um, mm -hmm. at home or support at home, it can be really hard to create safety in sexual environments. Right. Yeah. Because if you're told that we don't talk about it, then you learn that message. People ask me all the time, well, why, why aren't people comfortable talking about sex? Well, why would they be? 
you've learned from a young age that this is something that we don't talk about. And if we talk about it, all we talk about are the dangers. We just talk about the STIs, the getting pregnant and, um, and creating safety. So you don't get raped, which is like, oftentimes like, like straight, like a stranger is going to come up and rape you, which is the smallest percentage. It's really the dude that you thought you trusted and, you know, and pushed you beyond consensual limits. But, um, yeah, it's like, it's like, we, we, we aren't taught to, to talk from a, from a place of curiosity and intimacy and, uh, setting a boundary of this is what I like, this is what I feel comfortable with. And, and so then we get into these adult relationships and we wonder, oh, why don't I know what I want? Well, because you never, you've never voiced it before. This is a whole new skill. Why don't I know how to express what I want? Well, there you go. You've always been quiet about it. This has been a hush hush topic. And then if you, and then if your sexual trauma didn't come out, if you didn't get to voice it, you've been holding that shame for so many years and the effect that that has on your, your sense of safety and, um, I think just your, like your core belief in terms of your value as a person, it's just so impaired. It needs to be healed. It needs to see the light so it can dry up and go away. <laughs> yeah. Let it out of the box. Yes. So for somebody that has never really experienced that safety in their body, especially like with endometriosis, right? When we have pain or we don't feel like we can trust our body, especially in a sexual sense, like what would you recommend for somebody in that scenario? Okay. So for someone who's never felt safe. Yeah. Safe in their body. This is the kind of the answer that I give for so many questions is it starts from within it's, it, that you, this is going to be harder to create with a partner. I mean, I guess if you've got a long established relationship with someone and you feel like there's so much emotional safety there, you can be vulnerable. They're non-judgmental. They're curious. They're compassionate. Then awesome. You can explore that with them. But ultimately, it starts from within of the of you being able to take an inventory of what do, what what am I excited about? What is a yes? What is a I'm not sure? And what is a yuck? And what is a that makes me feel really unsafe? And I and maybe you don't know why it doesn't make you feel safe, and that's okay. Who fucking cares? You don't have to know why it doesn't make you feel safe. You get, this is your body and you get to be able to say, this doesn't feel safe to me. And you don't have to explain yourself. Yeah. I think there's value in exploring the roots of what's underneath the feelings of, you know, not being safe. And it's so, so important for you to never do things, put your body in situations where you don't feel safe because that. To, you know, when you are doing things that don't feel safe and you know they don't feel safe, your body is going to start saying no for you. There's the, there's going to you're going to start uh, having pain during intercourse. You're going to start having maybe some ailments that start to kick in because your body's saying, you know what, we've got to find a way to get safety because you're not voicing it. So now your body starts speaking for you. 
But ultimately, being able to take an inventory and give yourself permission to be able to say, well, this doesn't feel safe and within yourself, and then to start talking with your partners about it before you get into the bedroom. So then you know how to handle it when you're in the bedroom. And this is like so general that we're talking, you know, we're talking so generally. So hopefully this sort of an abstract thing is helpful to people. Yeah, I think it will be. And I think it's then what you just said, like hit the nail on the head is like, make sure your conversations are happening outside of the bedroom. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I feel like they're sometimes like in the bedroom, like in the heat of the moment, like there's sometimes pressure or you don't feel as comfortable or as safe to Mm -hmm. be honest about things Mm -hmm. that you do and don't like. Yeah. I think for, for women, particularly we're so people pleasing in the bedroom in or out of the bedroom. And, and, and so if we're concerned about hurting a person's feelings, then we may tolerate things that don't feel good in our bodies and, sex is supposed to be pleasurable and we're supposed to feel connected. And if you're in your head about, and you're not voicing things, that's totally not connected with your partner. And then you're not having pleasure. So I think that ultimately then you're going to start having low desire and wonder, "Hmm, why is that happening? Well, because the sex has now become a danger zone. Yes. Um, I think that exploring your body, like what you were just talking about and exploring by yourself is something everybody should do. And that most people that I talk to never do. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating, huh? Um, yeah. And so it, it, like, how are you supposed to be able to tell somebody what you like if you haven't figured it out on your own? Mm-hmm. And what a, and what a burden as a partner to have to be like, they've got to figure it out. And if you're heterosexual and you're wanting a man to figure out your body, come on, like, <laughs> like give him a break and give yourself a break. Like that, that, that be gentle with yourself, start to figure it out on your own, explore your body with a mirror, explore your body with your fingers get curious about this beautiful flower that we have been given. And, um, and the more that you can be curious and approach it from a place of non-performance, because if you're, you know, if you're exploring yourself, pleasuring yourself for the first time and you're expecting like, okay, I'm supposed to get off so easily But if you're spectating and just watching over the experience rather than feeling horny and sensual and erotic and sexy and turned on, and then you wonder, well, why isn't this happening? It's like, well, because your head isn't in the game. You can't just like, like, like trick your clit into getting (laughs) off. I mean, I think that there are scenarios where that is possible, but ultimately our head, our brain is the biggest sex organ and it blocks our arousal if we're not thinking sexy thoughts, if they're not, and we're not embodied, the mind and body being connected. For sure. And something, um, have you ever heard of the app MJoy? Hmm. It's like a sexual wellness app. And so they have like little talks you can listen to, but they also have like audio porn or like audio erotica, you know, like even just like listening to that for somebody that's like living up in their head and has never like explored before, like 
can help a lot. <laughs> totally. I mean, you can just, you can search erotica on Spotify mm-hmm. and there oh, you go. There's cool. plenty, there's plenty of stuff to choose from some more, uh, more, more better than others. <laughs> Some that are more enticing than others. And uh, yeah, so the, that you can get that audio, you can, you, you can find free written erotica online. That can be a place to explore. If you feel like you don't really know, like, I don't really know what turns me on, yeah. then you could just find some written erotica and start to explore a variety of stories and see what starts to get you tingling. And then there's always, I mean, there's plenty of free porn online if you're more visually stimulated. Um, So like allow, give yourself permission to get curious at whatever age you are, because I find that some people feel shame because they haven't figured it out in their, you know, maybe they're in their late twenties, thirties, forties. They feel like, Oh, I'm stunted. Well, okay. So you're a late bloomer in terms of knowing your body. That's okay. Let's get started now. Like if not today, when, right. There's no better time than now. <laughs> yeah. Um. So for, I kind of want to talk a little bit about like opening up the conversation with your partner outside of the bedroom. Yeah. Like, how do you even start that like for the person that's listening to this, that has like pain. Let me think of a scenario here, right? Like, okay, we'll just, I'll give you my example. Right. So like I have pain during ovulation. Um, I don't really have pain at other times, but like in certain positions, it's like deep pelvic pain. Mm -hmm. Right. So for somebody that has pain associated with sex and during certain times of the month, like how would you recommend starting that conversation? Yeah. A partner or a new partner okay. even. Okay. If it feels like, okay. I, I say that any time is fine. As long as they are like being able to check with them and say, Hey, so are you open to like, I really want to talk to you about something that's really important to me and make sure that they're open. So they're not intoxicated. They're not really um, distracted because they've had a stressful day um, that, that you're not in a public place to where it feels like, unsafe to be able to have an intimate conversation. So it doesn't have, you know, the moon and the stars do not need to align. Okay. You don't have to get the perfect moment, but you just want to make sure that they're open and, you know, don't, don't talk to your partner while they're playing a video game. Okay. (laughs) Or straight away when they came back, you know, home from work. So, uh, uh, and if it feels like, approaching it in that way isn't enough for you that I would say, Hey, I, t- I listened to this podcast today and there's a sex therapist on here and they were talking about my condition or they were talking about sex and communication. And I've, there's, there's things that I think that I'd really like to talk to you about. And, and I've realized I haven't really been as transparent because it's just hard. It's a difficult topic. And then being able to share that, I don't know if I've ever told you that I have pain during ovulation and I really enjoy our sexual encounters and I I find myself sometimes doing dot, 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 which might be like saying no to sex or 
turning away from physical touch during the times when I ovulate, because if we have intercourse, I, I, I'm anticipating having pain. And so then I kind of know I'm noticing I'm completely avoiding physical touch. I might be these, you know, and this is, you know, fill in the blanks as, as you see appropriate. Right. But I'm just going off of what I experience as a, as a therapist is of what my clients have told me is that, what I think a likely scenario would be is that if you haven't talked about it, then you just start to say, well, I'm not feeling well, or you avoid touching or you don't kiss or hug because you worry that, well, if I kiss or hug, then I'm going to make my, then my partner's going to think, oh, I want to have intercourse. And I'm worried about how my body will respond to intercourse. My, my body, it's unpredictable during this time of the month. And so I don't want to deal with the conversation. And so I just shut him off for an entire week. And so that is not that, that is, if, if you want to be sexual, then being able to let them know that I would really, I want to be sexual with you. I want to get naked with you. And I want to enjoy being uh, in an erotic space with you. What I worry about is that I don't like, sometimes I can have intercourse and sometimes I, I can't, sometimes it's painful and I don't want you to feel rejected. And so I'd like us to kind of brainstorm about how we could handle things that if we started intercourse and I noticed discomfort, how would that feel for you, for me to say, Hey, abruptly that like, I, I can't go any further. Let's transition over to using our hands and our mouth and enjoy being erotic in that space. Or would you prefer that I say, let's not start in our, let's not start intercourse because that feels too abrupt for me. Um, of course, the option, like there would never be the option of you saying to keep having sex when it's painful. Oh, hell no. Okay. That's, that's not in the cards. That's not part of the, that's not, that's not behind any of the doors of pick A, B or C. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but being able to let them know that, that these are some things that I've been thinking about and I'm realizing I want to be fully intimate with you. And I think I'd be so much more connected sexually and I'd be so much more open to going into the erotic space with you if I could be more transparent. And and I get it. These are kind of like sex therapist words. You know, my partner will joke with me and he'll say, oh, you have your sex therapist hat on right now. And he'll smile. He'll say, I know what you're doing, honey. And he appreciates the way that I present things because I really try to say it in a positive way of what I'm wanting and not what I'm not wanting. And I, and I get that probably that language may not feel as comfortable with the rest of you. So try to fill in the blanks the way that you think you'd fill in the the blanks is, is that, you know, I want to get sexy. I want to have sexy time with you. I want to be naked with you. I want, I want to, I want to touch your cock and I want you to touch my tits and I want to get naughty with you, but I just don't know if my body's up for intercourse. And sometimes I'm not even up for an erotic space but I want to start a dialogue surrounding that. So being able to say, I just want to start like being more open so that we can have the, the sex life both of us long for. Yeah. That's amazing. I know everybody's probably rewinding right now to re-listen. That was the longest answer ever. (laughs) No, that was amazing (laughs) because 
I mean, <clears throat> I know that like it seems like a little sex therapisty words or whatever, but it is honest. And if you said that to your partner, like imagine how like much closer you guys would be. Mm-hmm. Right. If you just like opened up those doors and like let them in to what you're experiencing when you're having that pain and letting them like not like feel the pain with you, but like work in the relationship with you through those moments of pain so that you guys can still stay close and bonded. Yeah. You know, it's so, it is so fascinating. I hear so many, particularly younger women that, that come to me with this discomfort, talking to their partners about what they want or what they're uncomfortable with, or, uh, and I'm thinking, Okay, so you're comfortable enough to let this person inside of you. <laughs> you think you love this person or you you know or you feel safe enough to go to this erotic space with them, but you don't feel safe enough to say to to just be your authentic transparent self. This is the world we live in. Right? It's really it's just so messed up. It's so upside down that such an intimate act, such a vulnerable thing of us for women, we're opening ourselves up to someone else physically, but then we feel like our mouths have to be quiet. That's just, it's just so baffling and heart-wrenching for me to, to think about. And what so do you recommend women. for those, those women in those scenarios? Mm. Just kind of what you just said. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that, And I think in your daily life, how often are you not having a voice? Mm. Practice outside the bedroom. Practice in the less daunting situations. When you're in line and somebody cuts in front of you in line and you, um, if you're not bothered by it, let them cut. That's fine. But if you are bothered by it, say, hey, oh, actually, there's a line here and I'm, there's a line here you might not have noticed. (laughs) But those sorts of acts of assertiveness, if you're, if you, if all day long and you're in, in, in the light of day outside the bedroom, you aren't having a voice, of course, you're not going to have one when it comes to more daunting topics like sex. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it starts from your daily actions of, of being able to feel like I deserve to have a voice. Where do you think that comes from? Like those oh, internal of not being worthy enough or good enough to like say what you want yeah I mean I think you know there's it's it's a societal thing you know I mean I think that we are raised from a young age that that good girls stay small that good girls go along can't you just go along with things why do you have to don't be difficult don't be bossy don't be bitchy don't be loud Yeah. Don't be loud. You know, put your legs together, cross your legs, you know, dress this way. So we learn from our parents. It's reinforced at school. It's reinforced by media. Most of us have, you know, our, most of us, our sex education has come from Hollywood and porn. We didn't get it from someone who had the same values as us. Here we are, we get all these teachings maybe from our parents. And so they teach us all these values, but then they don't, but then we learn about sex from somebody else who has different values than us. How does that jive? 
How does that even match up? Yeah, yeah. Women with a masculine energy, which is not harsh and aggressive. It's just a masculine energy of saying, hey, you know, I deserve to be treated as an equal. I'm going to speak up for myself. We are oftentimes told that that's not okay, that we are kind of shamed for it. And it's reinforced by our teachers. And then it's reinforced by our peers. Once we hit middle school as women, it's like we're constantly, okay, say the right things. I mean, the stuff that girls in middle school go through versus boys is so different that the way that we talk to our friends and feel like we have to bite our tongues. And I can't trust, I can't say what I really feel because then she's going to get upset. And then I'm going to lose all the friends that are associated with her, you know? So there's just so many messages that we get and, you know, we could blame it on toxic masculinity, but we as women are reinforcing it ourselves as mothers and peers. It's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So any mothers listening to this or potential mothers or aunts or sisters or whoever, like, how can you, what do you, how can we like break that cycle and create more like safety? Yeah. Notice yourself when you, you know, are you telling the girls to smile? Are you telling them to be quiet when they're speaking up? Are you, uh, are you telling them that, um, femininity is being small because that's not femininity. Femininity can, can be strong and soft at the same time that it's be, you know, to be able to be compassionate and, and femininity is really a sense of like, I, I mean, I'm not an expert on masculine and feminine energy, but when I think of feminine energy, it's this like, we're really in touch. We're able to sense people's feelings and we're, we're intuitive about that. But then, unfortunately, the next step that's pushed upon us is that, oh, if you notice that this might hurt a person's feelings, you should put their feelings ahead of yours. That's Mm -hmm. not cool. Mm -mm. That's not cool. You don't. Of course, sometimes we're going to put other people's feelings ahead of our own. But why would you put a stranger's feelings ahead of your own? Why would you put someone who's not treating you well ahead of your your own? And uh, because. Because, you know, I, well, I don't, I don't want to say it because it might hurt their feelings. Well, it's, if you're not being a jerk about it, if you're not being intentionally cruel about it, speak up. And, you know, there aren't really any scenarios that I, that I, I wish I could come up with something specific. But I think that in, in our daily life, there are opportunities for us and we can start to pay attention. How are we talking to the younger women in our lives, how are we validating them? Are we validating them for being small and pretty or are we validating them for being, uh, uh, for other values that are important? Yes. (laughs) It all comes back to like taking a step back and observing how you're behaving and moving through the world. Because you can't, you can't, you can't, all of a sudden have a voice in the bedroom if you don't have a voice outside the bedroom. So for somebody who has that belief, like I am, I'm small, I'm broken. What do you recommend for that person? Mm. Right? Like, how do you work through those beliefs? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is something that we started talking about a little bit before previously is that 
so many women with this diagnosis with either endometriosis or ex- experiencing pain during intercourse or not able to have intercourse. They come to me and they say, I'm, I just think I'm broken. And the, it came from, I think usually if you're going to embrace, I am broken just because you got this diagnosis I think it started way before then because I think there might be moments where you feel like I'm broken or moments when you're really mad at your body for this being, for this manifesting, but to feel like I, there's something truly broken with me that started a long time ago. There, There, it was a whisper in your ear before you ever got this diagnosis. And, and so that's where I say, get curious about where did that come from? How old do you feel when you think about when you had that thought that I'm broken? And so part of it would be getting curious as to where it began. Then be compassionate with yourself because this is a message that has been whispering in your ear for a really long time. I would hope that you could get some support through therapy I would hope that you could read books. I mean, oh my gosh, self-help books were were my, you know, savior and wonderful girlfriends were my savior Mm. to be able to talk to girlfriends about it and say, this is how I feel. And to be able to get them a woman who can hold space with you or a man that can hold space with you to be able to be with you in your pain and get curious with you to be able to process that can be helpful. And the healing to be able to have a guide, to have a professional guide, a therapist can, can be so I've, I've to be able to, I get to see that every day. It's a person's reaction to me being able to share with them the empathy, the validation, the compassion. And they go, Oh my God, how do you know what I'm feeling? It's like, because so many other women are feeling what you're feeling. And, and I'm, I, I, And through my experience as a therapist, then that makes me much more skilled at being able to give you that empathy and understanding. For sure. But if validation. Yeah. 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 Alone. Yeah. Yeah. And then along with that, can you start behaving in a way that shows your body and your mind that you aren't broken? I deserve more. I'm going to start speaking up for myself, even when I don't believe it. Mm -hmm. Act way act in ways that completely contrast that and start to to act like that and see what happens so coming from both the cognitive piece of looking at your thoughts and reframing them and getting curious about them but then also just you know fake it till you make it at the same time that's you know fake it till you make it to a t <laughs> exactly yeah hmm. Cause you're right. Like if you keep doing things that are reaffirming or like contradictory to like the beliefs that you have, it's going to give you yourself and your mind proof that you're not broken. You can have the things that you want to have. You can speak up for yourself. You don't need to compensate or make yourself small or anything that you don't want to fucking do. Yeah. You're not you broken. Are, yeah. You are lovable just the mm-hmm. way you are. Yeah. And if, if you show compassion for other people, you are kind and you can hold space for other people that 
you're lovable just the way you are and you um, and you can have a very satisfying life with whatever your struggles are, because we're all struggling with something. Literally everybody. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Look, you know, as you're driving and listening to this and you look to the car to your left and you say, they're not struggling. Yes, Yes, they are. They are. Yes, they are. And just because somebody doesn't look like they're struggling on social media doesn't mean that they aren't, you know, things aren't always what they seem. Yep. You are wonderful. (laughs) And I agree, like having that support from somebody who can like hold that space and has the experience and can have the empathy to give you, help move you through the hard times is so important. And I know you have a course and I would love for you to share a little bit about it. Oh yeah. Cause I think it would be very beneficial. Yeah. So I do. So my practice is in Long Beach, California, and that's where I do in-person therapy and zoom therapy, right. In this day and age. And, um, but I also do coaching. And then what I realized is that I'm not getting out. I'm not saving the world one bedroom at a time. I got to like save the world many bedrooms (laughs) at a time. And so I created this program for women who are struggling with sexual desire or struggling because they're like, I don't know that I've ever felt sexually empowered and they don't know where to begin. And so what I designed was a four week program it's online, completely anonymous, where you can follow me each week, where I'll be speaking to all the topics that you need to learn about in general, but then learn about as it relates to yourself. So it's not cookie cutter. I give you worksheets every week and resources to be able to start exploring yourself and ask those curious questions that you didn't know how to ask. And then you get start to get the information that oh, this is what ignites my desire. Oh, this is what I'm doing every day to extinguish my desire. And then every week I also do a QA. and a So then you can can ask any questions specific to your case and I will answer those and and walk you through this four-week process to reigniting desire or igniting desire for the first time in you. And you can find that on my website. It's talksexwithliz.com. And you know what, if, if you're not ready for a program and you'd just like to hear more from me, I get on TikTok and that is my joy. <laughs> I love TikTok. I love TikTok. <laughs> and my, you know, for, for the longest time I would be on TikTok and my kids would be would yell, mom, get off TikTok. It's for us. And I started seeing more and more therapists on TikTok. And I thought, oh, this is the place for me too, because I love talking. I love sharing my, my little wisdoms surrounding sex and relationships. So you, so you can find me talk sex with Liz on TikTok. And, and then I also, you can find me on YouTube so you can get videos there, but just, yeah. So find me on TikTok, find me on t- my website and, and, you know, take in whatever free resources you can get or sign up for my four week course and, and find something that's more specifically designed to your struggles or your longings. Exactly. Especially if you've been listening to this episode and you're really relating with Liz, like, I think that makes a huge difference. It's like, you kind of have to connect with who you're working with or else yeah. nothing's going to stick. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I'll put your email down below and all the links in the show notes. So if anybody's listening and you want to connect, you can find her there. Yeah. Um, and oh, and if you email me mm. and if you, when you sign up for the program right now, it's just a wait list. You can click, you know, you can request to be on the wait list. If you email me when you sign up and you mention this podcast, I'll give you 15% off. Yay. Thank okay. you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, amazing. Is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with? Mm. Sex is not just about intercourse. And I think mm. that with your listeners, that's the piece that probably makes them feel more broken or probably affects their desire separate from all the physical struggles that you're having and just the daily, you know, hurdles, but the part that's in your head is the things that you're telling yourself that sex is just intercourse and this is how I need to show up. It's how I need to perform. Sex is not intercourse. Sex is getting naked and experiencing pleasure in a consensual way. And it, that can look like playing around with our hands in our mouth. That can look like spooning. That can look like just sensual erotic massages. And you can connect with your partner in those ways and that is a special thing to be able to have with them. And you don't have to shut yourself off from this because of feeling like there's this, like, it's almost maybe an all or nothing thinking. Like if I can't have intercourse and I can't have anything, no, no, no. Stop thinking that, that you can have pleasure with whatever limitations you're experiencing in the moment. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on Liz. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Of course. Oh, babe, thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. I had so much fun and I'm so fucking grateful for every single one of you. If you thought that this was helpful or you loved any part of this podcast, I would love, love, love for you to screenshot it and post it on Instagram at Chelsea Bree, C-H-E-L-S-E-A-A-B-R-I and take me. I would love to see what you're getting out of the episodes. It makes me so happy. I would also love it if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave a review because that just helps other wonderful endopapes find me as well. I adore you and I believe that you don't deserve to feel like shit. You deserve to have a normal life despite endometriosis. So I love you so much and I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll catch you on next week's episode of the Endo Babe Podcast.